Welcome to the Nuanced Naturopaths podcast. This is a friendly conversation between two friends, us, Julie and Corinda. We're passionate about finding the nuance in natural health. As degree qualified naturopaths, we like to ask the questions that need to be asked about all aspects of health, healing and well-being. We absolutely delight in questioning firmly held beliefs and finding the nuance in all subjects, health related and beyond. Sometimes it can get a bit technical, but hopefully we explain things in a way that is accessible to anyone interested in natural health, whether you're a practitioner or someone who just wants to learn more and optimize your well-being. It's a chat about poop, periods, and everything in between. Buckle up for a laugh, a cry, and for some things that you are yet to consider about your health. The nuanced naturopaths acknowledge the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people as the traditional owners of the country on which this podcast is recorded and recognise their connections to land, sea and community. We pay respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and their elders, past, present and emerging. Always was and always will be. This podcast is not intended as medical advice and should not be viewed as such. It is general in nature and may not apply to you. Please seek the help of a suitably qualified medical professional should you have any questions or concerns raised in this discussion. And if you would like to work with either Julie or myself one-on-one, you can check the show notes for links to book in for a free connection call. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> this is an episode of the Nuanced Naturopaths. Yes. Thank you for choosing to listen to us. Thank you for clicking on us. And maybe maybe at the top of the episode, if you if you've been listening to us for a while, hit that follow button. Maybe leave us a review. Yeah. Maybe share your favorite episode so far with a friend or someone who you feel could could use this information that we're sharing. Yeah. Yeah. We're having a lot of fun. We'd like to know if you are enjoying it too. Yeah. Or if there's something else that you want us to talk about. Oh yeah. Always open to suggestions, Julie. Yeah. What are we talking about today? Um, we're talking about something that previously I haven't really heard anybody talking about. Mm. Oxygen. Uh-huh. Important for life and breathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we're talking about the lungs today? No, <gasps> we're not. We're talking about is it the missing link in IBS, SIBO, IBD, and Intestinal hyperpermeability, otherwise known as leaky gut. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, this is interesting. So we did have a chat about this today. Yeah. On our lunch date. Um, This is... So for context, Julie's researching this and writing a blog post on her website, which is... Jforestnaturopath.com.au. Check it out if you're a, a blog fan or want the info in. If you take in information better when it's written, yeah, definitely head there and check it out. So Julie is doing the research on this. Gates have been opened up in her mindscape. Rabbit holes yeah. have been initiated, and I am hooked. <laughs> I know less than Julie does on the matter, but I am hooked, and I think. Yeah. This is going to be really important. Yeah, so yeah, I think so too. And I may or may not have been up at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> reading a paper about it. <laughs> do as we say, not as we do. Yeah, that's right. Because you come to see us for what we know. So, yes. <laughs> not for what we do. Yeah, exactly. So, maybe to just 
Because we can dive straight in, but maybe just to warm up mm. our listeners. What's, what's sort of the, um, the big macro picture of what we're talking about today in terms of, you know, where do we start? What, what yeah. groundwork needs to be laid for us to really get the most out of this? So, previously, uh, functional medicine and naturopathy mm. has treated intestinal hyperpermeability aka leaky gut mm-hmm. i think i'm just going to call it ip from here on okay does that make sense we can work with that yeah I, I, mean, I don't want to say leaky gut because it's not an it's, accurate term and it's, it's an old term yeah it's the buzzword it's the catchphrase but it doesn't encapsulate yeah. what we're really trying to convey yeah, yeah. so yeah. intestinal permeability i.e the cells in your gut have bigger gaps between them yeah we don't want them to have gaps between them yeah. yeah. No, well, not for long no. periods of time. So it's hyperpermeability. Right. I can be a pedant. Yes. Um, because the the gut is permeable. Right. It does allow molecules to it. Those gaps do between cells. So so we have a one cell lining. Yep. Of of the gut lining. Yeah. Is one cell. So rel- Oh my god, rel- that like that's. Yeah. Thin. <laughs> I know. Yeah. 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 So those cells are joined together by. Uh, little protein proteins called tight junctions yep and those tight junctions uh, respond to the environment Mm. let's say um, for a number of different reasons and they will create spaces between the cells and allow um, molecules to pass over so if you've got a dose of salmonella say right um, they may sense that pathogen yep and they will open up and mm. allow those salmonella um, bacteria to flow through to the other side. The immune system then, on just on the other side of that barrier, yeah, um, will then go into action and sort, take care. Yeah, sort out the infection. Sort out the Fight infection. The infection. Yeah. Um, also, interestingly, um, when we are infants, mm. that gut barrier is very permeable. Ah. And it becomes more closed yeah. as as we age. And that's part of the um, gut microbiome maturing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. So, dare I say, instead we should shorten it to IHP to remember the hyper part because it's hyperpermeability. Yes. So, that's yeah, because that, and that's a good reminder for me too. Obviously, the gut is permeable. That's how we absorb nutrients and things. So many things can happen. Hmm. Hyper, so IHP, hyper intestinal hyperpermeability. Thank you for sticking with us and learning with us. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I haven't even got, got the, first, <laughs> the first point out really, which is in the past yeah. or, and until very recently, well, still today, yeah. in fact, because this, this is fairly new research. Mm. Um, uh, so IHP mm. has been treated by strategies that restore the gut lining mm. and perhaps some um, some soluble or and insoluble fibers to, mm-hmm. to help restore as prebiotics yeah so prebiotics probiotics to to help the um, diversity and abundance yeah. of, and the makeup of the microbiome. Mm-hmm. And that they're, they're great strategies. Yeah. They're brilliant. But for some people, um, particularly in SIBO, 
Um, and also in IBD. Yep. Um, Small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and, and inflammatory it, bowel disease. Yes. Uh, ulcerative colitis, colitis and Crohn's disease, yep. which are the most common of the IBDs. So in those conditions, that can be a little bit more difficult to treat. And sometimes mm. people become uh, a bit frustrated because they've done this treatment mm-hmm. you know, that's worked for everyone else and they're not getting resolution of their symptoms. Yeah. That may be mm. because there is also on the inside of the lining of the gut cell, we, we, we're imagining here, we've mm. got your one cell lining of the gut. Mm. We've got a layer of mucus, mm. which is protective. Protect- we want it there, yeah. We want it there. That that In the small intestines, that is a single thin layer of mucus. Mm-hmm. In the colon, so the large bowel, that is a, a two layers. Mm. So there's a thick layer um closest to, to the cells mm-hmm. and then a thin layer on top of that mm-hmm. the microbiome layer lives within that thin layer mm. so the thin... in the small intestines there's actually very few species yeah or so there there should be few species there should yeah. be few species in the colon there's the greatest abundance of species in the body it's yeah. the it's the the most diverse microbiome yeah. on the whole body and we're talking about bacteria fungi protozoa archaea yep um, the even you said fungi didn't you yeah, yeah. micro <laughs> that's that's your microbiome that's, that's so microbiome. an ecosystem of different microorganisms yeah yeah, yeah. um and then in addition to these layers mm. we have a chemical layer so oh. the, the chemical layer is made up of um, short-chain fatty acids produced Ooh. by the microbiome. Very important. Very, very important. Um, they will feed the cells mm. of the those those lining cells. The, yep. They're called the epithelial cells. Um, they will also go into systemic circulation, into the bloodstream, um, and that are nutritive to a number of different aspects of the body. Yeah. They are um, butyrate in particular. So there's three kinds of the uh, three main short chain fatty acids. Mm. There's acetate, propionate and butyrate. Mm. Butyrate seems to be the one that is the most important in terms of um, giving back to the body. So think of these as bacteria poop. Mm. We call them metabolites, <laughs> but bacteria poop is probably a good way of thinking about yeah. them. But the poop is good for you. Good poop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's manure for for the oh, for the cells yeah. of our body. Fertilizer. Fertilizer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really, really potent anti-inflammatory. Yeah. Um, protective of. Uh, particularly bowel cancers, yeah. um, some other cancers as well. Mm. Um, uh, it, it feeds the cells of the colon. I think I said that before. Yeah. Um, so that's happening in the chemical layer. That's happening in the chemical layer. You've also got some um, uh, some negative some some not great chemicals in there from yep. bacteria so so endotoxins yep um from uh, pathogenic species breaking down the sort of byproducts mm. of 
species breaking down. Yeah. Um, you might have um, some, uh, well, lipopolysaccharides is one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, you've also got some uh, chemical signaling mo- molecules as well. Mm. Um, and I'll get to some of those. Mm-hmm. We'll circle back to the chemical layer. Let's have that. Um, and then we have the other layer, mm. and this is the new information, ah. is the atmospheric layer. Oh, okay. So we have gradients of oxygen. Mm. If we're going from the mouth to the anus, mm-hmm. as we travel down the gut becomes less and less oxygenated. Mm. Once you get to the the colon, the large bowel, it is a hypoxic environment. So where normally our cells require oxygenation, yeah. these cells mm. or the this environment yeah. needs to be oxygen free. Yeah, yeah. So hypoxic meaning incredibly low oxygen. Yeah. 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 Um, and this, this is a healthy state. Yeah. Yeah. This is how it should be. Yeah. 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 There's also a difference between the in, in oxygenation between the uh, outside, the... the I'm trying to try not to use the the technical term. The other side of the barrier, yeah, and the inside, the lumen yeah. of the the gut itself. So yep. there's a different great oxygen gradient between the mm. outside and the inside of all of these layers. Yeah, yep, yep. Now, the reason that this is really important is that this. Um, oxygenation allows certain species of the microbiome to thrive and survive yep. in different areas of the body. So as always with, with microbes, it's the right amount, mm. the, the right species in the right proportions, mm-hmm. in the right location yep. that makes them beneficial yeah. in most cases. So we've got the anaerobes that live in a hypoxic environment. Yep. They cannot survive in an oxygen oxygenated environment. Yeah. And to to break that down and this is how I understand words, if aerobic means relating to oxygen, mm. having the an in front of the aerobic means without oxygen. So yep. and that's where the word anaerobic comes from, so you might hear that thrown around, anaerobic bacteria. So we're talking about ones that don't want oxygen present. No, they, yep. will, they will die in the presence of oxygen. Yep. There are facultative anaerobes, mm-hmm. uh, oh. which can swap from uh, a fermentation food source. Mm. So, so instead of breaking down fibres for their food and their energy, yep. they can actually switch their genes, wow. which is pretty cool. Transformers. <laughs> I wish I could make a transformer noise. Change their genes to be able to consume oxygen. Mm, mm-hmm. Now, of course, if you have a lot of those species mm. consuming a lot of oxygen, mm-hmm. it will provide a hypoxic 
environment. Right. Because they're eating all the oxygen. And that's what we want for that part of the body. Yeah. 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 And so that will support the anaerobes. Yep. It's a good thing. Yeah. If that's the right part of the body for that to be happening in. And those anaerobes help our body with different processes and, and producing those metabolites that you yeah, mentioned. So yeah. so we want those anaerobes to be happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We yeah. want these guys to be in a nice balance with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And predominantly the um, bacteria that produce the particularly butyrate mm. are anaerobes. Yeah, right. So, and, and remember, butyrate is the, the one we want. You is- know what I mean? <laughs> 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 It, there's just so many. <laughs> I had to give Julie that little spot. So yeah, butyrate is important. If we've got anaerobes producing that butyrate, yeah, we like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there are the aerobic bacteria, mm. and they can only survive. Yeah. In an oxygenated environment. Much like if you as a human was doing an aerobics class, yes. you need oxygen to do all those moves and, and maybe relating to related to uh, Olivia Newton-John, you know, I'm thinking of the Let's Get Physical video <laughs> clip and she's doing aerobics and she's working out and she needs that oxygen intake. Yeah. She wouldn't be doing it on the moon. Yeah, No. Because that is not a suitable environment. <laughs> that environment would not sustain her. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no oxygen. Because there's no oxygen. <laughs> so, you know, it's really important that you have the right level, the, the, the right amount of oxygenation mm. or hypoxia mm-hmm. in the right areas of the gut. Mm. And that can change. Yeah, right. So it can change because of... Uh, microbial dysbiosis Mm -hmm. so uh, let's say and antibiotics in particular are are, are recognized as something that can alter that environment Mm. because I'm assuming it's it's because of its uh, disruption of species yeah when we talk about antibiotic it is an anti life life <laughs> like <laughs> right that's that's yeah that is that's the translation and it it's not like it kills everything yeah it's just you can't determine which species it's going to kill and which it isn't yeah um it doesn't necessarily kill them all yeah if we've all if we've got an appendix we still have a little reservoir Ooh. a little sample if you like yeah right of <laughs> a little <laughs> a little show back <laughs> of what species we may have Ooh. and so you can actually repopulate yeah right based that. on that reservoir <gasps> yeah oh anyway yeah. separate rabbit hole yeah, but sorry. we'll come See, around to that it does have a reason yeah <laughs> um and if you'd like to know more about how antibiotics work in relation to your gut health and microbiome please listen to our episode where we interview rebecca edwards of activated probiotics very good very informative episode and proceed yeah, and a lot of fun. Very, lots of fun. <laughs> so, uh, yes, yes, uh, the ma- microbial species will mm. determine uh, that because because of this consumption of oxygen or production of oxygen. Yeah. Right? So they can manipulate the atmospheric layer. Yeah. Right. The um, the mucosal layer mm-hmm. is also manipulated by the species uh-huh. and so if you have say a healthy amount of acromantia municipula they 
both consume and stimulate that mucosal oh, production right. by the, the, the goblet cells and the parasols? Question mark? Dare I say that doesn't matter? <laughs> I didn't have to lean so close to the mic to say that. That's okay. We, that's okay to not have that degree of information. I say that as Julie begins to open up the paper that she has printed off and she wants to get this right. And I can't find it. I can imagine our listeners feeling like, that's okay, that's okay. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. they're produced by goblet cells, goblet. definitely. Yeah. Um, and maybe another. And stimulated cell. by acomantia. Now, if you have, say, a proliferation of acomantia that is disproportionate to the rest of the species, yeah. it may then be problematic. Right. It is often considered to be a beneficial uh, symbiont, if yeah. you like. We're not going to be judgy about the species. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're not good or bad. They just are. Yeah. And, and it's about relative quantities. Yeah. And they do different things if they're in a higher proportion compared to if they're in a lower proportion. Yeah. 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 The more the better. The diversity of species. The more yes. diverse your number of species, the generally the the better the health yep. for the gut. Yes. Different, different in the vaginal microbiome yes uh, which we're not talking about today um so uh that mucosal layer can then be affected that mucosal layer of course protects the single cells yeah and their tight junctions yeah and when exposed can then be exposed to the contents of the the gut yeah and that might be some of those chemicals that we talked about the yeah. endotoxins yep. the lipopolysaccharides the um a pathogenic species if you don't have sufficient hydrochloric acid mm. in your stomach you may not be killing pathogens that you eat yep or breathe in or yeah taken in some other fashion yeah and and that just a little point there what happens up earlier in your digestive tract affects what happens later on yeah so stomach coming before your intestines very very important stuff happens in the stomach so sometimes you might feel the symptom lower down maybe mm. what you're farting out or what you're pooping out is mm. the problem but it starts higher up yeah yeah and potentially even higher up than that in because the in the mouth and potentially even higher up than that because in the brain, <laughs> well, yeah, the nervous, your, the state of your nervous system. Oh, yeah, sorry, that's, I wasn't making a joke. Then. How does it get down from the brain? <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> no, it's not ridiculous at all. No, yeah, the state of your nervous system when you eat has a huge, um, yeah, huge impact on how you're going to digest that yeah. meal. And so if I follow that thread, yeah, please. so your nervous system, if you are in an elevated state, keeping in mind that the body doesn't know good elevated from bad elevated. So even if you're really excited about something, your body doing strenuous exercise, your body is still like, oh, stress, stress. Mm. We don't need to be digesting right now. We'll just turn off the hydrochloric acid. Yep. All the digestive juices, mm -hmm. you won't be needing that. Yep. And then what can happen, mm. that can alter the pH mm -hmm. of the gut. Mm -hmm. And guess what happens? Mm. It alters the relative oxygenation because it alters the species. Mm -hmm. 
You see where we're going around in circles here? Yeah, but because... But it all comes back to the same thing. Yeah. This one important thing about the atmospheric layer. Yeah. That is really key oh. to a healthy environment. Yeah. And a healthy environment has all of these factors. It's an ecosystem. Yeah. Where all of the parts interact. And just mm. a quick little visual exercise. If anyone's wanting to picture this a bit more clearly or struggling to visualize this as we're speaking about it, consider yourself wherever you are right now and, and imagine if you were a bacteria and look at the big wide world around you that's filled with different gases and you're breathing in oxygen and you're breathing out carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide and that's changing the environment around you and consider your health if oxygen levels were to suddenly drop. Mm. That would deeply impact your health. That would affect you. That would affect you, to say the least. And so even though we consider the inside of our human body as, like, closed off from Mm. the outer environment, there is still an opening within your intestinal and digestive tract. There is... If you are a microscopic bacteria living in that space, there is an atmosphere, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And that atmosphere, just like our own environment, affects our human health. That inner environment that doesn't feel like an inner environment to us affects the bugs living in there. Yeah, and in effect, it is akin to an outer environment. Yeah. Because this that, that one cell barrier yeah. is a very important barrier to the outside world. Yeah. Because anything that comes in through the mouth, yep. down through the nose, yep. is... is then um, coming across that barrier. And, the, and the, the body has this really elegant system of allowing nutrients to pass over mm. and dangerous molecules, pathogens to pass over, yeah. but not everything to pass over. Mm. And, you know, like... It's selective. It does this very... Yeah, this amazing dance. Mm. It's, it's like... Um, it's like border control at the airport. You know, they they check in for a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah. And they need to be able to let people through with their luggage, mm-hmm. but not people who are carrying, I don't know, manky fish or something. <laughs> As a PG-13 example. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, um, where did I get up to... I was talking about the mucus layer, yeah. the chemical layer. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, uh, the oral microbiome yeah. can have an impact on the atmospheric layer mm. because most of the species that live in the, in the mouth Mm. tend to be anaerobes. Right. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a variety of different species because there's a, a, a variety of different environments within the mouth. Yeah. So the teeth are the only non-shedding surface of the body. Mm. Um, and what we get mm. on our teeth mm. is a, a biofilm layer, yep. which we call plaque, mm-hmm. um, which can then precipitate cavities. Mm. Now... Um, within that biofilm, mm. I'm trying to make sure that I'm not saying something that's incorrect. Mm-hmm. I believe that, I mean, it's a biofilm is actually a, hmm, a goopy layer 
that a community of different microbes mm. will produce together collaboratively mm. that protects and harbors that community. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm pic. Oh, I'm always. Uh, might be a good analogy. I'm picturing a scene in Game of Thrones. Maybe Game of Thrones. Or come on, go with it. Okay, okay. I'm not sure that I can picture it yet. Where? No, it's opposite. Anyway, there, there were, there were like, there's one group of soldiers like in the middle, and the strategy of the opposing team has sort of encircled them in and is just moving as a tight circle is moving closer and closer so it's not it's if you had the reverse of that if you had the same team maybe having your king and queen and the important people in tight in the middle with a surrounding layer of like pawns or or goop or goop (laughs) like they're all making goop yeah they're all making goop so they're all and they're on the same team yeah. The, the outer layer of yeah. that group is protecting... The, it, <laughs> are we going too deep with this? Anyway, it's bacteria protecting themselves. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Providing their own little yeah, protective layer. Um, most of the species that create inflammation or disease in the mouth, gingivitis, mm. cavities... Um, any kind of oral disease tend to be anaerobes. Ah. Now, we swallow approximately a litre and a half Hmm. each day of our own saliva. Yum. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Delicious. Oh my God. Made it myself. You, for a split second there, you looked like um, Alexis shit. (laughs) (laughs) Not shit. That wasn't their last name. What's their last name? Rose. 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 Oh, Alan. I'm a Lamborghini. (laughs) Just that part where you said, mm, mm. Sorry, no, and I. No, that was mine. That was my bad. Was um. My bad. Okay, so swallowing a liter and a half of our own saliva, yep. we are of course swallowing many of the anaerobes, many of those species that can become pathogenic. Yep. Um. If we don't have sufficient hydrochloric acid in our stomach to kill those or to manage them let's say yeah keep them in check yeah. then we're going to be taking them down into the gut where they're going to disrupt that atmospheric layer yeah yeah which then um has the effect of of causing intestinal hyperpermeability yeah which then causes symptoms yes the symptoms that are bothering you in the realm of ibs Crohn's, ulcerative colitis. Food intolerance. Food intolerance is a big one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because if those those gaps between that single cell layer of of your gut wall, if they're too big and it's more likely that these large food particles that aren't usually meant to get through can now get through Mm. and get into your blood, Mm. that's going to be triggering off immune cells and that's going to be causing uncomfortable symptoms and it's going to be as though you're not tolerating those foods but when we zoom in as we have we know that it's about the environment of the gut yeah and that's the problem it's not the food itself that's the problem yeah. and that's a whole side note that we could do a whole episode on on its own oh, the terrain versus terrain versus food yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 um and i should actually say that in a healthy body mm. those those cells will will come apart 
the molecules will cross over, the immune system will react. Even if there is inflammation, yeah. inflammation resolves. That's part of the process. Yeah. It re the whole system resets mm -hmm. and goes back to normal. Yeah. It's only in the case where uh, there is a dysregulation of one of these systems mm -hmm. that this can become chronic. Yeah. The inflammatory state may continue and mm -hmm. it might continue at a low level and if it doesn't reach a certain peak it doesn't resolve yeah and inflammation in and of itself can create intestinal hyperpermeability oh yeah okay so what can happen is you might have a food intolerance mm. that you're unaware of mm. um or something else has created leaky gut mm -hmm. you then have your favorite food one that you have a lot of mm. and your immune system says Oh, we've seen this before. Mm. It must be causing the problem. Mm. Attack, attack, attack you yeah. Know, and starts posting up wanted posters everywhere. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, Letting the other immune cells know. Yeah. Be aware of this. Yeah. This bandit. Yeah. yeah. And that's when you can develop more and more mm -hmm. food intolerances. Mm -hmm. Or allergies. Mm, because your immune system becomes more hypervigilant yeah. in terms of what is disrupting, what is triggering this. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get it. Let's resolve this. Yeah. But it becomes, if nothing changes in the diet or the lifestyle or the microbiome, you can see how very easily that becomes just an, a never-ending cycle. Yeah. 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 And symptoms get worse. And then next thing you know, it's been five years that your gut hasn't been quite, quite right. right. Yeah. yeah, can't quite get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Seem to get resolution, then doesn't happen. Yeah. So uh, another thing, another factor to consider are these hypoxia-induced factors. Mm -hmm. The hypoxia-induced factor 1-alpha mm -hmm. and hypoxia-induced factor 2-alpha. Mm -hmm. There is actually a 3-alpha as well, but it's not really researched. Okay. So we don't know much about it. Okay. Where do these factors come from? They are one of the signaling molecules that, 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 are in that... that lives in the chemical layer. Cool. And it would seem that one of the um, associations with particularly IBD, so mm -hmm. ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, mm. that there is a a disproportionate amount of uh, the HIF1 alpha mm -hmm. to uh, HIF2 <laughs> alpha. Mm. And it's this um, uh, ratio mm. of one to the other mm. that, that can also modulate the um, relative oxygenation oh, okay. of the gut. Yeah. So hypoxia hypoxia induced mm. that is to say they're activated or in states of hypoxia like do we know i guess in terms of like therapeutic benefit or like functional benefit are they if we can simply are they goodies or baddies <laughs> Uh, or or middleies are they they're modulators? They're modulators. So they try. Yeah. They will attempt to keep that atmospheric layer in check. Yes, in the right proportions to each other. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. They also 
are regulated by microbial species. Right. Okay. Yes. So, and this is where everything comes back to the yeah. bloody microbiome. Yeah. Um, and there's even more nuance to this because there are other gases mm -hmm. that play a part. Yeah. Um, nitric oxide is one, which of oh. course we know is nutritive to endothelial cells. Yep. Um, hydrogen, hydrogen sulfide. Mm. So we, we actually have some um, bacterial species that feed on and produce um, hydrogen sulfide. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's one, of the, the, one of the gases that's in quite in abundance. Yep. Um, so those species might be Clostridium, which actually has a new name now. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, shit, that's good to know. Because everyone's calling it like C. diff. Would it still be C. diff? Oh, yeah, it is. It still okay. starts with a C, but okay. it's got a new but very similar name. Okay. Uh, Fusobacterium escheria, Salmonella, Klebsiella, Streptococcus, and Enterobacter, and Desulfovibrio. So they can all con convert cysteine to hydrogen sulfide. Um, so these gases also determine mm. their relative oxygenation right. of different parts of the gastrointestinal system. Right. We've also got ammonia, uh, carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, mm. which of course um, can diffuse across, uh, well, all of these gases can diff diffuse across that, that cell lining. Oh, and I guess with carbon dioxide, could that cause states of acidosis? Of metabolic acid, if it's crossing the other side, getting it, changing the relative oxygenation of the blood, eventually getting to, does that happen? I think it's probably the other way around. Um, following following food intake, the major gas generated in the distal small intestine, so the furthest part of the small intestine. Mm. Um, due to bacterial fermentation. So it's probably more oh. a cause of acidosis. Right. Um, than, I mean, it, it, it will go both ways. Yeah. 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 It, it's difficult to answer questions like that because there's so many working parts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and this is still, like, we're just scratching the surface. Like, this is just yeah. new. Yeah. So we're, they're figuring it out. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're trying yeah. to figure it out. They're, they're still figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. I mean, this, this paper, and I should just refer to the paper. Yeah. Which is uh, Oxygen Battle in the Gut, mm. Hypoxia and Hypoxia-Inducible Factors in Metabolic and Inflammatory Responses in the Intestine. Mm -hmm. Single and Shah, mm -hmm. uh, February 2020. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah, just, just scratching the surface. This, this is actually part, uh, this is a review, mm -hmm. um, and many of the papers that it uh, ref refers to mm. um, are actually drug trials or, or, or investigations into drug therapies oh. to um, modulate the... Um, the atmospheric layer of the gut. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm. Because if we can, and I guess the why behind that, why do we want to modulate the atmosphere of the gut? Because 
this could this could pave the way for i guess different treatments different approaches to treatment for SIBO mm. and IBS and things like that like well, this is a yeah more thorough treatments because you think about if you're trying to modulate, say, the microbiome mm. uh, or the microbiota species specifically, yeah, um, that might not be successful until mm. you've remedied. I mean, they're not going to survive yeah. in the places they need to survive in if the environment <sighs> to sustain them isn't there. You know, it's like you can't, you can't, we can't put Olivia Newton-John on the moon to do... <laughs> <laughs> her aerobics <laughs> because there's no oxygen there yeah so that's not the environment it, she needs yeah so it it, it needs to be a, an important part of the treatment strategy to mm. be effective and i guess what we often say about humans and, and you may have heard this before um you can't heal in the same environment that got you sick yeah so fuck if we consider this microbial environment and thinking about their atmosphere within our gut if we're just trying to replace those microbes or alter those microbes but the atmosphere stays the same yeah Yeah. shit yeah how are they meant to how how are the changes that we're making to the microbiome meant to sustain if we're not addressing the atmosphere okay Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so in many cases uh prebiotics and probiotics and glutamine and zinc, mm. all of these things, and, and even the, the herbal remedies and the polyphenols and all of those yeah. things are, are great strategies. Yeah. But if you have a, a really oxygenated colon mm. or a, a more hypoxic small intestine, mm. You're, it doesn't matter what you do, Yeah. you're not going to be able to get to the next step until you've resolved the environment, until you've restored the environment to, to its, its relative oxygenation. Yeah. Far out. Mm. So. I think this, and I, lo- I, I love that we did deep dive, and if you're still listening, thank you for sticking with us, because it is a deep dive. Yeah. And... It's especially with gut health, like it's so, oh, it's just such a thing. It's just such a thing. I don't think there's anyone who has had perfect gut health at all times in their life, who hasn't at one point experienced some kind of gut distress. Mm. And it's important to understand the nuance because as we spoke about in our previous episode about, um, the, you know, the wellness warriors, people are trying to market to you and sell you the idea that Mm. gut health is just as simple as doing one protocol and taking one probiotic and fixing this one problem that you have with your gut. And it's just not true. It's it's multifaceted and it's nuanced and it's important that as the people, as the spirits occupying these human vessels, (laughs) that we should understand what's going on. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's a little learning curve at first, but at the end of the day, it's it's just good for us because we're more equipped to to work with symptoms and issues as they do come up and get to the bottom of it. Yeah. And like this could get be to the bottom. <laughs> and like this could be an absolute game changer for people yeah. who've expe- been experiencing IBS, SIBO, living with IBD mm. for years. Like this could be the the piece of the puzzle where it's like, "Oh my god, and now it all yeah. clicks into place." 
And of course, there's another thing, another factor. Oh, <laughs> well, yes. there's there's still stop, stop. multiple factors. I mean, uh, nutrient deficiencies. Oh, yeah. Of course, mm-hmm. can can cause it. Poor diet. Yep. Um, uh, a fatty diet, like mm. a, a diet that's really heavy in fat, yeah, is actually going to change the the atmosphere. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because I think that was my issue for a bit, quite frankly. And that's all right. No, no, no. Don't, don't stress yourself out. If you, this is new. This is new. This is new and I still haven't finished writing my blog yet. I mean, can we hypothesize? <laughs> uh, it's to do... I think it's to do with the electric... Uh, the, no. Uh, no. No, we cannot hypothesize. We cannot hypothesize because Julie does not know the answer to that question. All I know is that a diet high in fat will disrupt the um, the atmospheric layer. Okay, that's right. We, that's all we need to know. But yeah. by through disruption to the microbiome. Or, or maybe or, not even. Or multiple factors. Multi- oh, wow. Actually, that makes sense. Multiple factors. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, oh, also... Keto! Oh, yeah, keto. Oh, yeah, keto. Because yeah. keto fucked my gut. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh. keto as a, as a therapeutic intervention yes. for specific things yeah. can be a good thing. But if you're doing keto totally devoid of fibre, yeah. you are not feeding your little friends. Yeah, they're struggling. And if you are not feeding your little friends, they are not surviving and the... The, the, the pathobionts are going to take over. You yeah. are going to disrupt your gut. Shivers. You know, you always need, if you're going to do any kind of a keto diet, you need to be in some way taking in some prebiotics. Yeah, yeah. If it's not from yeah. flat out carbohydrates from, from foods. Yeah, it, and ideally you're going to get that from whole yeah. fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Mm. And it's complex because then they've got some carbs in there. Yeah. So with the keto diet, I always thought it was just the lack of fiber. But now I'm learning it could also be if the macros aren't perfectly right, if the fat is too much. Well, the lack of polyphenols. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Yeah, they need polyphenols as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Medications. Oh. 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, medications. Um, anti-inflammatory medications, PPIs, that oh. alter the hydrochloric acid. Which we, and we've known for so long how they can damage the gut. Yeah. The damage of the stomach lining, yeah, alter yeah. stomach acid, can also have an impact on the atmospheric layer. Is that Absolutely. what? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Yeah. Can can impact. Uh, because they have an impact on the, uh, because they have an impact on the gut lining, mm. uh, but also um, on the secretion of some of the protective molecules. Mm-hmm. Um, depending depends which which anti-inflammatory. Okay. But let's just say it's a broad category. Yeah. Mm, you know, medications. Medications can have a really big impact on And that. perhaps another motivation to seek a natural alternative if you do find yourself in a position where you are chronically or consistently taking mm. anti-inflammatory medications. But don't take yourself off pharmaceutical medications without checking with your medical professional first. Please. It's not our job to tell you to come off medications. 
nor should you without checking first. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What else? Oh, uh, so we've got on the other side of the lumen. Yep. On the, other, on the outside. So we're no longer in the gut. We're, we're like... In the gut. We're just on the other side of the one cell lining. Yeah. We have the... Um, intestinal vascularization mm. so the blood flow mm, that goes to because your gut needs blood yeah now if there's any kind of disruption if you have some kind of vascular disorder mm. and blood is not flowing to sm- small vessels uh-huh. and you're not getting the nutrients to those nether regions of the small vessels yeah it's going to impact on the amount of oxygen oh. that gets to your gut yeah right yeah and the amount of oxygen that gets to your gut, and specifically the gut cells, can affect how those tissues function. Yeah. And I think you were telling me earlier, if those tissues aren't in thriving health, that affects yes. the atmospheric layer as well. Yes. And what affects the tissues? Not having butyrate uh, to nourish them. Full circle. Full circle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this, I think you said before, this paper was potentially hypothesizing the idea of supplementing with exogenous butyrate as as a potential treatment. Oh, that that wasn't this paper. Okay, that was okay. yeah, that was that was um, some of my other research. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, and it was a, a particular practitioner. Yep. In the states. Yep. Who has a, a product which oh. is an exogenous um, butyrate product, mm-hmm. which. Uh, look, I thought it looked quite good. Do I, we I, have that in Australia? No. Uh, yeah. Oh. Do, I found a New Zealand supplier. I okay. Mean, I need to do a little bit more research into it because Fair. you need to be sure that the butyrate is actually able yeah. to get to your, to your colon. To where it's needed. You know, yeah. That's, that's where it needs to go. And I guess the other thing there is that like, uh, even if we did clear that and go, yeah, it looks like a great treatment. Like it's still not addressing the root of it. Ideally, we want your own microbiome to be balanced in such yeah. a way that it can produce sufficient amounts of its own butyrate yes. to keep you healthy. Yes. Rather yes. than having to rely on an external source. Well, of apparently, it. one of the ways that you can restore the um, the environment, yeah, is to restore the cells and to give them this exogenous butyrate. Uh, so take the so butyrate in as in a, a, a pill form, yeah, but it does need to get through the stomach acid, so it needs uh, to have a special enteric protein um, that gets it through there. Yeah, um, and apparently that can be part of the strategy of restoring that atmospheric right. layer. But one of the things that I liked most of all, and mm. this was the thing that I think you got excited about too, oh. was the, the acetic acid uh. tablespoon oh. <laughs> of apple cider vinegar. In water, in yeah. a glass of water, <laughs> drink it down, can help to restore because acetic acid um, can contribute to the acetate, which is one of the short chain fatty acids, mm-hmm. which uh, helps to balance the butyrate mm. and the propionate. Because so, we want everything to be in, in yeah, nice proportion yeah. with each other. Yeah. It's really interesting because they've, they've actually done studies on butyrate supplementation on its own mm. and of course now i question whether that was enteric coated ah but yeah they found that as a as a treatment strategy it wasn't that successful oh interesting unless it was in the proportions 
that butyrate acetate and propionate are found in a healthy environment. In, okay. So it's the, it's these three yeah, this trio. acids that are, that are keeping each other in balance. So, oh, there's balance everywhere. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that was one thing. But, but yeah, <sighs> a ta- table of apple, tablespoon of apple cider vinegar. Yeah. So one of the things that we know is that that can stimulate it being a, a bitter yeah. medicine. Yeah. Um, it can stimulate uh, the hydrochloric acid production yeah. and the production of the um, gastric secretions. Yep. The, the uh, pancreatic enzymes. Enzymes. Yeah. That help digest everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and it can stimulate stimulate the the liver to start releasing bile. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, get going. Yep. You want that to happen. It can stimulate appetite. Yeah. Um, it can stimulate the bitter receptors, mm. which I don't think we even know all of the things that the bitter receptors do. No way. Yeah. Yeah. This is old school naturopathy now. Yeah. It? Come and have your bitter foods. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So important. Yeah. And what else? Do you know what I'm going to say about apple cider vinegar? What else it can do? No. Modulate the blood sugar response Whoa. to the foods that you eat. More effective le- than lemon juice. But yeah, it's a, and that's the same dosage. A, a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar in a glass of water before meals yeah. will change your blood sugar levels as a result of that meal. It will change your insulin response. Mm. So, Have you done that experiment? Oh, I, I, it's like one of the main things that I, <laughs> that I recommend to, to 80 to 90% of my clients. And, I know, and, I mean and on do yourself. Myself. Yeah. Oh, like so with measuring got, my blood sugar. Yeah, so measure your blood sugar um, bef- not having the apple cider vinegar. Ah, uh, yeah. And then measure it another time. Same meal, same time of day. Mm, good, but I have not done same meal, be, same time of day. That would be interesting. You'd have to replicate the day. I yeah, because what's interesting, I guess overall, is that I'm ha- I'm generally having apple cider vinegar throughout my day, oh. and and I have noticed that my post meal blood sugar readings are relatively relatively good, right. not getting many spikes, and so I wonder if that's a part of it. But yes, I I should test it in a slightly empirical way yeah <laughs> yeah interesting anyway i love i love that it's that there's a simple a simple mm, maybe it's not the only answer no maybe just, apple cider vinegar doesn't work for everyone maybe but, yeah. if you've got a really disrupted atmospheric layer it's mm. going to take more than that but i I, I do like the concept. Yeah. And I should say that this is not in the study. Mm-hmm. This was just in a discussion with a practitioner from the States mm-hmm. who was discussing this subject. Cool. That, that led me down the rabbit hole. Cool. We love a good rabbit hole. And mm. this, this rabbit hole has delivered. <laughs> this <laughs> is a rabbit hole. Yeah. Look, I'm sure that there are things that I've missed. Oh. As I say, I am writing a blog, and me being me, it's long, wordy, <laughs> and intense. And we will put the link to that in the show notes. We'll put the link to the study as well in the show notes. Yeah. And I actually think that even though we've gone into a big topic, we've, it's actually made us 
thoroughly like break down different parts of digestion and the digestive system, mm. which I feel like is just good information for everyone to grasp because it's nuanced. And there's diff- we say digestive system. Within that one system, there are so many different parts. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's really important that more people understand the concept of what is the lining of the gut and how does it work and what are all the different layers doing and how amazing it is oh like phenomenal like and especially when you consider like i guess when i'm visualizing in this this in my head i'm visualizing you know something that's uh, like this is microscopic yeah oh <laughs> and it, 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 it allows it allows things to cross over that are nutri- necessary nutrients to the body yeah it keeps out thing, you know. It, it it's just yeah. It's so. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm just gonna rave about it. The gut is yeah. cool. So <laughs> we should just run through mm. the digestive system and the process just quickly. Yeah. So when we first see food mm. and think about food, this is the cephalic phase of digestion. This is when. We start to produce saliva. Even just thinking about it, I'm producing saliva. Maybe yep. not a good time. <laughs> <laughs> um, that saliva is required to start the breakdown, particularly of um, carbohydrates, mm-hmm. um, but starts the process yeah. for other things. Um, it also is really good for the mouth. We'll go into that another day. Um, it starts the production of hydrochloric acid in the stomach. Mm-hmm. It starts the production of the pancreatic enzymes, mm-hmm. which will break things down further down. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets the whole digestive system ready, yeah. including the liver and the gallbladder. Yep. Um, and then when we start to eat, it's really important that we're in a calm state. In the rest and digest state. Yeah, call that for a reason. <laughs> call for a reason. Um, so don't be sitting in front of the news on mm. the telly or... Getting having, stressed about the cost of living. And... <laughs> having an argument with your children or... Yeah. Like, try as much as you can to be mm. in a calm state when you eat. Mm. Um, and perhaps imagine that when... Stress, your stress response is activated, remembering that stress, good or bad, your body can't tell the difference. If you've just had a huge, huge bout of exercise, really Mm. excited or overstimulated about something or feeling quite agitated, anxious, kind of stressed, picture the flow of those digestive juices slowing down and drying up. Mm. And then imagine the food that you're eating not getting digested by those juices as much as it should because mm. the, sl- the flow has slowed. Then there's more food particles left over that are maldigested, not digested enough, mm. that bacteria can feed on. Mm. That becomes a factor that can then disrupt different parts of the microbiome. Mm. Creating bloating. Creating bloating, yeah. Not, mm-hmm. a, not a good time. And also picture... Again, with that same same stress that I described, the blood flow to that vascular area in your um, on the outside of that intestinal wall, that gut, that one cell thick lining of the gut that Julie mentioned, that blood flow pulls back. Imagine that blood flow slowing down mm. and dry, you know, quote unquote, drying up mm. when that stress is activated. 
So the tissues that are responsible for helping digestion and helping that food, that digested food, move through your gut are not in their optimal state. Mm. So that affects how things are moving through, how things are being digested, as well as affecting the microbiome and the atmospheric layer. And peristalsis, the process of wave-like contractions of the gut that pushes the food down, Mm. stops. Yeah. So... um, it's not a good time to be eating. Yeah. Because, and what will happen is when you, if you have elevated cortisol, mm. your body in that stress state mm. is going to make some decisions about what it does with that energy in yeah. that food, the, in whatever energy it can derive from it. Yeah. And it's going to store it as fat. Yeah. You're more likely to put on weight if you eat stressed. Oh my God. Bang. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's like so multi-fat, like it leads into so many different areas of health. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. oh my God, how does that affect, yeah, that affects metabolism, blood sugar overall, of course, that can then affect your mood. Yeah. That can then affect your hormones. Mm. And, oh my goodness. Yeah. So then chewing. Yeah, chewing. That's, oh. go on. You, oh. This is your department. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I haven't been in this department for, for quite some time. But yeah, chewing, I guess, before the food even gets to the stomach, like, So important. Chewing is the first mechanical aspect of digestion. Mm -hmm. And what your stomach is prepared to receive, what your stomach has evolved to be able to handle, is generally a lot more digested than what we're putting in it. When we take two bites, two chews of a bite, swallow, our stomach's like, what? This is so much more work to do. What? Why isn't this broken down more and more wet and mixed with saliva and what? What? And so, really, ideally, we should be chewing each bite of food 15 to 20 times. Like, it's almost like you need to challenge yourself of, like, how much can you digest your food before it even reaches your yeah. stomach? Make Rather than... Paste. Make it a paste. Yeah, that is literally what saliva is made for, what your teeth are made for. Yeah. To get it into a paste that, if you were to spit it out before swallowing, it should not look like what you just put in your mouth. Yeah. At all. It should not look like the food that you prepared. Yeah. Um, it should look totally different. And then ideally, and I say this in that way because, oh my God, even doing it for myself, it, it just so much slowing down. Ideally allowing for 15 to 20 seconds between bites of food because yeah. that's how long it takes for the esophagus to, with using peristalsis, to squeeze that swallow of food down mm. into your stomach. Mm. Mm. Also... If you eat fast, yeah. you actually uh, take in mouthfuls of air. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's going to that's then also change the oxygenation of, well, at least the upper part, yeah. the, the, the proximal yeah. part of the, the um, digestive tract. Yeah. Um, but also it, will, it may potentially contribute to bloating. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. So chewing is a good first step. <laughs> yeah. Eating slowly, yeah. eating mindfully. As we were probably meant to. Yeah. I think maybe when we evolved and we hunted for our food mm. or we gathered our food, we had a much better concept of the value yeah. of the food. Oh, my God. We were probably more grateful for the food that we had mm-hmm. than we are now. Mm. Um, and we probably ate it slowly to make it last 
Yeah. Think about. I like to think that anyway. Yeah. No, I like to think that too because you had to work for food. Yeah. You had to, and not work in the way that we understand it now, but it, it literally took physical exert, exertion and wits and exercise mm. to get that food. And imagine if, you know, if you travel and you rarely travel and there's this one restaurant that you know about and you only get to go there once every five or ten years and you, you absolutely love it. Because you know that it's not guaranteed the next day, mm. you can't just get access to that food every day. You're going to savour that meal that you have there. Yeah. And, yeah, I do. I believe. I don't know. But I believe that's absolutely how we used to eat with more savouring and slowness rather mm. than food is so convenient. I can literally get any kind of food anytime I want. Mm. But I've got to go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> in 20 minutes. Yeah. So I need to wolf it down. Yeah. Yeah. Don't eat like a snake. They swallow, <laughs> swallow. their food whole yeah. and then spend three days digesting it. Like yeah. Lying around <laughs> holding their tummies going, oh, I'm so full. Your <laughs> body is not built for that. Your body is not built for a three-day digestion. No. So, keep yeah, keep that in mind. Yeah. I think we've covered a lot. Yeah. Have we missed anything? I probably missed something, but... If you're really interested to find out about the relative oxygenation of the digestive tract and its impact on intestinal hyperpermeability mm -hmm. and the microbiome, yeah. <laughs> then read my blog when I finished it. Yep. <laughs> Anything else you want to say? No, I feel like that's it. I My brain is processing. I'm sure yours is too. Yeah. Have a cup of tea. Yeah. Take a breath. Yeah. Follow us if you're not following us already. We're on Insta at the.nuance.naturopaths. If you like the information that we share, if you think there is some value in it, mm. we would love a review. Share it with a friend. Share it with someone who you think. Share it with the person in your life who you know has struggles with their gut health. Yeah. And maybe would is desiring a little bit more of an understanding of how the gut works. Yeah. And if you want a naturopath to help you sort out your gut health problems mm. or your reproduction, your reproduction, <laughs> your menstrual problems, yeah. your hormonal problems, mm -hmm. um, get in touch. Get in touch. We would love to be part of your health team. Uh, links will be in the bio. You can book in for a free connection call with either of us. Yep. Um, and read more on our websites about what we do. Follow us on socials. We're always posting content there. And I think we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Nuanced Naturopaths. Be sure to ask us any questions you have below, engage with the polls, and we'll catch you in the next one.